Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. If you haven't girl problems, I feel bad for you, Sam. Drop us an email and maybe we can help. <laughs> Hello at LukeandPeteShow.com. It's Thursday, baby. I'm Pete Donaldson and I'm joined by Luke Moore. Have you shaken off the sleepy dust of Monday show yet, Pete? Because God, I'll be no. honest, you were all over the place, what all over mean? the gaff. I just pressed the buttons wrong. You did. I'm blaming the buttons. You got a resplendent. Um, I know you don't like me talking about this, but I genuinely would like to point out today that you are dressed impeccably today. Uh, I would call a very faint lilac, well-fitted shirt. Some well, not well-fitted. I got boobies now, so I'm bursting out. That's why I like it. Boobies. Some I would say rusty orange-coloured trousers. A trouser hides hides and some the brown shoes. Yep. Very look very look very well. Well, we're off to Naples tomorrow, so it's, you know, no doubt you're going to be rocking a blazer or two. I've got a couple of blazers on the go at the moment. Couple I've got a of lovely, blazers. Um, I've got a lovely uh, cream linen one. I just the problem with linen is it's. Um, they get creased very easily, obviously, and so you've got to get them. I can't steam them myself. I find it very difficult, so I get them dry clean. But trying to find uh, a, a, an equally um, as colourful linen suit as I have is very hard. I um, They Pete, die very easily. Pete, I um, dry clean all my jackets, all my formal wear is dry cleaned, and my shirts. Well, you should dry clean all your... Yeah, yeah I can't true. be asked with ironing. That's the problem. Yeah. People say I'm, out, I'm out what, of touch with on, the you common get man. The people to iron your shirts. No, when they when they when they, when they dry clean them, they press them. They come back um, crease free, mate. Yeah, it's, it's a top tip. Lazy, and you can get a good deal as well. It's only, sometimes it's only like a pound fifty a shirt. It's not that bad. That's pretty. Am I out of touch with the that, common man? You are a little bit on that particular note. Yeah. All right. Well, wow. listen. I think when you get a bit older and you and you you you, you sort of appreciate these little luxuries a bit more. I, I, I'm not the sort of guy who just picks up a piece of clothing off the bedroom floor anymore, like I was until I was about thirty six. I sometimes am that person. <laughs> yeah, I know you are. Very much. Um, I, was, but... I was wearing a t-shirt um, with a video game on it um, yesterday. So I was doing a bit of work for a video game company and, and uh, a girl went, uh, the girl I was working with went, uh, oh, what, what's that on your t-shirt? I went, oh, it's Monkey Island. Thinking she'd recognise the name. And she went, is that a game? I was like, oh, no, I'm so old. What? I'm so old. But that's unacceptable, surely. So old. So I'm just, it's, it's not her problem. It's my problem. But if, so you went into, but if you went, she's a video game employee though. No, but like, you, you can't know every game from. I don't know any games from like the seventies. Monkey Island is a fa- is a famous game. It's not that famous, mate. I think she's at fault here. It's I think not... you've done yourself a disservice no. there, mate. No, I've done 
I've done Tim Schafer and Lucasfilm a disservice. Have you? Slash LucasArts. LucasArts, yeah. Mm. I quite enjoyed, uh, there were games around about that time. Um, there was the LucasArts side, but then there was also the um, Sierra Online side. Right. And they made games like Space Quest and mm-hmm. uh, King's Quest and Quest for Glory. But most importantly, my favourite one was called um, Police Quest. And it was the day-to-day machinations and, you know, the, the smallest parts, the minutiae of, uh, of modern policing. Uh, well, back in the 80s, kind of modern policing. Mm-hmm. And you had to kind of, like, read Miranda rights and set up flares if you're going to do a traffic stop. Yeah. And all this nonsense that yeah. you'd never need to know. It was so crappy, but I loved it because it was so kind of, yeah, I'd do everything correctly and buy the book or you'd get in big trouble. Can you still find those now? No, no, University Unloved. I think the SWAT games came out of that uh, in the end. I but, remember those, uh, yeah. Is it, oh, who was the, there was a famous policeman who was involved in a fairly famous case. It might even have been the Rodney King uh, situation. He might have been the chief of police at the time, and he was a consultant on the uh, Police Quest games for quite a while. And uh, what a great got, job. They just got better and better, mate. Just yeah. got better and better. Um, speaking of, you mentioned George Lucas there. Someone told me a story the other day, I'm not sure if it's true, that, Gary Kurtz, who produced um, <clears throat> some of the Star Wars movies, I believe he was involved with with uh, George Lucas a lot, um, and he did. Um, I think he did Empire Strikes Back and Star right. Wars and Dark Crystal and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Apparently, he had some sort of breakdown and um, ended up becoming an IT guy in Hammersmith. Really, and didn't do any movies post like the mid eighties or something. Whoa. And if you look at his Wikipedia page, and again, I'm sort of paraphrasing here because I'm not an expert on that type of stuff. Um, he doesn't really do much. He hasn't done much stuff for ages. So I think it might sort of be true. Could we bring him out of retirement for the, for the Luke and Pete Shaw film? Maybe he doesn't want to be. Maybe he's happy <laughs> Maybe where he is. busy. Um, Could he fix our computer, though? <laughs> he might be able it to. Is slow. He might be able to. But that's your job. You're the IT guy here, Pete. I'm not allowed to touch him anymore because every time I touch him, he goes to shit. Yeah, that is true. There's too many moving parts in this system. And uh, if I touch them, or if I try and make the system a little bit more amenable to things I like, it messes up other systems apparently you're not but surely you're not, you're not having a go at the rig are you no that's a different thing yeah the, the record is a little slow at times but uh, the rig is the big laptop the gaming laptop you bought and that's still run, running fine is it mate it runs fine but i, I mean that could do with an, another reinstall as well there's no greater pleasure than a fresh windows install where you've got nothing installed the problem with buying modern pcs is people companies app developers they pay uh develop uh, they pay pc manufacturers to put their software on it Right. So you, you boot it up and all this software is just bloated. It's just slow because there's so much crap being loaded into memory. Am I, am I Money, right, mate, money. Am I right in saying that um, back in the day, so say in the 80s and the early 90s, when computer ga- video game developers were making video games, mm. they had to make sure they were spot on, correct and right because there's no way you could get an update out there. There was certainly a little <laughs> more, um, yeah. But these days, the, these days, the video game um world is so sort of in demand and so pressured and they've got this sort of access to this technology that they'll release games will they ever go off like half cocked and just oh, release, yeah. and and release and like, updates later on day one patch like so they so obviously with um, delivering a box version of a video game yeah. you've got you got to deliver the gold disc they call it the master disc about god a month before it actually comes out um, and obviously in that time you could use that time to improve the game somewhat and then when that gets released so most developers release a, a one day patch but it's just excruciating you download hmm. it you, you, you buy a game and you take it home and all, all the data is on the CD or the DVD or the Blu-ray rather um, and then you get it home and then you've got to download like 18 gigabytes of files yeah. and for a person who's on 5 megabits per second yeah. broadband in the centre of town yeah galling 
Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's calling for me when I play FIFA 18 on my PS4, and I'll play. Obviously, I do other stuff, so I'm not always available to play computer mm. games on my own. And so, when I do play, invariably I have to download an update. Yeah, I, I, I like for someone who's imagine coming to video games for the first time in like 20 years, you'd be like, "What the What's flip is going on yeah. here?" Yeah. Um, but then video games have got more, gotten more, a lot more um, complex, and crunch time has gotten a lot more intense. And video game developers don't necessarily treat their staff very well. So, right, give them as what's, much rope as you can. What's the point you're making there? Then I'm just saying that um, video game uh, and stock market valuations of particularly video game companies rely on uh, the implicit and intrinsic um, fucking over of their staff. Okay, crunch time where basically everyone just works seven day weeks. For fifteen hours a day, seventeen yeah. hours a day. That's just a thing that happens every cycle. Every that's, time that's a video do, game yeah. gets made. Every time a new <laughs> video game gets made, you're working that. But you and I it's get dreadful. locked in a studio until we're done, don't we? Slave labour. Well, I mean this this was recorded in uh, two thousand and sixteen. We're, <laughs> we're just piling them out. We're just guessing. Yeah. But anyway, that's a rather elongated intro to episode fifty four. <laughs> How's your week been, Pete? We're now on Thursday. It's been all right. Next week we'll talk about our trip to Naples. Yes, exactly, because we're going we're doing that this weekend, but we recorded a week in advance because to be quite frank, we're struggling. <laughs> we're going to Naples. We're going to yeah. Naples. Yeah. So we'll talk about that next week, but mm. your week's been okay, all, all that aside, Pete. Been anything, all right. What have I done? Did, uh, I did that thing with the video game. I, did, I was in VR for quite a while. I did to extend the video game section, but I was in VR quite a lot, and I get quite nauseous in certain video what game situations. There was three video games. One was a shooting game uh, where you got to shoot a lot of zombies, and we, we've talked about um, the, the post-apocalyptic uh, life that I would lead, because I do have... Uh, a pre-existing asthma condition I'd, I'd be one of the first people to die because i wouldn't have access to my asthma medication and then after that uh there was a driving game and then that made me feel really ill right so there we go it was uh the vr version of wipeout recommended if you can stomach it it's beautiful and is this a part of your job it's part of one of my jobs okay one of my balls um, my it's been this week i i i learned something quite cute and i found personally quite fascinating today Aww. um and it was that a woman, I forget who it was, and it was on Twitter, so she, if she's listening, which is unlikely, she'll have to forgive me for not naming her, mm. but she deserves all the credit for this. The woman who tweeted that she works in a library, and right. um, she's standing at the desk, and, and a lovely old lady came up to the desk and said, um, excuse me, can you uh, explain to me why every book I take out of the library has the, the number seven mm. on page seven underlined? I, I saw. Did you see it? the start of this but right. i didn't have time to read the rest of it have right. you got the solution? yeah i know what happened okay give me right. it. give me so, it. give me it. and I'm so excited. and so the, the woman working in the library is like oh that's a bit odd mm. so she said i'm not sure that can be the case she said no it is look and um she um she showed her a few books and the number yeah. seven on page seven was underlined and she said, oh, and she thought oh maybe she's doing that herself and um <laughs> she she went off to uh so to weird. get another book or whatever and, and she and she hadn't even read this book or mm. even spent any time with it opened that one and that also the number seven underlined. And she thought it's very strange. She she asked around, and anyway, to cut a long story short, um, what had happened was, as in this particular library, I don't know if it's a more broadly um, sort of participated in phenomenon, but mm. in this particular library, a lot of the the older women who use the library and to to get out books, they uh, read so many books of the same type, they they never know whether they've read the book particular book or not. So oh, what so they, they do when they read it is they do a little... No, but each of them have got a little symbol. So one of them will put a little star in the top of page 10. One will underline number seven in page seven. And that's how they know when they grab a book off the shelf, yeah. they 
quickly flick to their symbol, and if their symbol's in there, they know they've read it and they don't run it out again. That's such a good idea. Yeah. I could do with that with a John Lacara because the amount of times I've got halfway through. I've done this one. I've read this one. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? What a charming end to that story. I thought it was going to be like some kind of a cult sign and there was a murder and oh, God. You thought it was going to end with, and he'll kill again. <laughs> <laughs> And every person had the number seven yeah. carved into them. It turned out to be the Zodiac Killer. Yeah. So. <laughs> Ted Cruz. Yeah, Ted there Cruz's you dad. go. Yeah, Ted Cruz is dad. Ted Cruz is dad. There you go. So I thought that was quite a nice, quaint way of opening the show. I love that. that. There's something very sort of British about that, I think. I did have a Luke and Peach uh, show story, but uh, my um, version of the email system on my phone is not giving me the information I need. So well, I've got your back, mate. Don't worry, I've got your yeah. back. Um, so oh, that's yeah. why it's been. Here we go, I got it. Go on then. Um, uh, actually, these are from like months ago, but I don't think I ever used them. Um, Huel, I tried Huel. Did we talk about Huel? I the you pea, told the, me the about pea, it. The pea protein um, food supplement. Tried G- that for a while. Gives you farts at farts.com, oh, doesn't it? So stinky. Um, bone music. Right. I want to talk about bone music. Basically, during um, Stalin's run as head honcho in Russia. Uh, post World War Two Russia, head honcho, <laughs> big guy on campus. Yeah, um, all records uh, allowed in the country had to be of Russian composers. But there was an underground, um, you know, situation hungry for rock and roll. People wanted to hear the Beach Boys. People wanted to hear the Beatles. Um, mm. But smuggling vinyl in was very dangerous, and acquiring the um, scarce material to make copies of those records that did make it into the country uh, was expensive and very risky. An ingenious solution to this problem began to emerge in the form of bone music, or sometimes called bones and ribs music, or simply just ribs. A young uh, 19-year-old sound engineer, Russian uh, Boglovsky, 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 a guy called (laughs) Ruslan. You okay? I'm going to have one more crack. Go for it. I've got it. Boglovsky. There we go. In Leningrad, uh, changed the game when he created a device to bootleg Western albums so he could distribute them across Russia. I hate getting uh, foreign names wrong, and that upsets me, so sorry. Um, Problem was, he couldn't find the material to bootleg his pressings onto. Vinyl was uh, scarce, as were all petroleum products after the war. Then one day, he stumbled upon a pile of discarded X-rays. It worked. At the time, Russian law dictated that all x-rays had to be destroyed after one year of storage because they were flammable, so he dug through the trash bins and paid off orderlies for uh, used x-rays, and for 20 years he handmade about one million bootlegs onto x-ray films of everything from classical music to the Beach Boys, eventually spending five years in prison in Siberia for this rebellion. So born music for 20 years was the only way Russian music lovers could get Western music, which they played at music and coffee parties in their kitchens, away from KGB ears and eyes. In Incredible, a testament to the underground courage of, to subvert authority, rebellion, and the love of music. And these things are beautiful. These, probably these long dead people with their broken ribs and broken arms and broken limbs and broken skulls have got these, you know, beautiful songs etched into them for all time. That's incredible, isn't it? It's I, you can buy some on the internet. I think the cheapest was like some unidentified um, music that was about um, 20 quid. I do fancy getting involved in that kind of care because yeah. it's a beautiful piece of work. I thought you meant they were going to be on, on actual on bones. On actual bones, yeah. yeah. That is incredible. Bones. The ingenuity of people. Yeah, oh, it's great. Because it, there's, there's a really interesting sort of story, not quite as um, as detailed as that, in the documentary film uh, Searching for Sugar Man. Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, of course, a lot of music um, was uh, censored by the apartheid mm. government. And um, 
so the way that, that Rodriguez's music got through in South Africa was essentially just being shared among people, like mm. home peer-to-peer like recording, yeah, yeah, essentially. Yeah. And, and in, in the movie, as you know, because you've seen it, but for those who are listening who haven't, they go to this archivist and uh, she pulls out an archived Rodriguez record mm. and um, certain songs on the vinyl, you can see have just been scratched, scratched out. out. Yeah. And it's someone's job to actually do that on every single record. Incredible, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. You've got really? to be so precise with that sort of thing. It's funny how governments just lose their minds, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it is, though, isn't it? It's, and, and, and this is what I think. But it's, it, it's just creating more trouble than it's worth. It is, but I was talking to you about this, Pete, uh, last week. I've understand it with the internet, like the Chinese firewall. You can kind of yeah. do that. But scratching out every record. But you know what? And uh, Without getting into too serious a theme, because a few people were chipped off last week saying we were a bit, uh, a bit serious last week, and I understand oh. why. But... You know, this is something you and I chatted about last week, which was, and it's very similar to the AI thing, this idea that artificial intelligence, one day you're going to wake up and there's going to be robots everywhere and it's going to be sinister and terrifying. Mm. It's the same with authoritarianism in, um, in, in, in the world. It doesn't just happen overnight. It creeps. Yeah. It creeps in. AI creeps in the same way it's crept in for the last however many years. We have AI around us all the time now. And, and people don't realise, and it's the same with authoritarianism, which is why you've got to be careful for these telltale signs. Before you know it, the government is stopping you listening to records, stopping you watching movies, and then you're in real trouble. And it isn't in, impossible in fact, to conflate capitalism and authoritarianism. Look at the way net neutrality is affecting yeah. how people uh, access the internet. Just as a caveat, Pete, I would say some of the movies you have access to shouldn't be viewed by anyone. No, they should scratch out my eyes when I'm looking at them. They like should, it. actually, because um, they're burned onto everyone's retina. In... Repost in response to uh, somebody uh, giving it the big one saying we were too serious last week. I have Omar's email. Okay, it's email time. It's straight into emails time. Yeah. Should we take a short break? If you want to. All right, then. We'll be back with emails, baby. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, Luke, don't gunge me, mate. Pipe down, Pete. I told you never to argue with the customers. Dear Luke and Pete Shaw. And before you proceed, don't forget you promised people on Monday a Mencarta to commemorate uh, Maya Angelou's 90th birthday. Yes, happy birthday, 
Maya Angelou. Yeah. I'm sure she's listening. Uh, good morning. Omar. Dear Luke and Pete Shaw, long time listener, second time emailer. I don't blame you for ignoring my first effort. <laughs> By the way, I should point out, but Maya Angelou is dead, right? You know that. Yes, again. She, Maya Angelou is yeah. dead. Yeah, good. Okay. I was just checking you're making the choice. I'm not, she's, I'm not, she's, uh, she's not going to be listening either way, is she? Well, not she's dead, no. No. Yeah. Good Lord. Long time listener, <laughs> second time emailer. And I'm not crying because I've just found that out. Uh, I don't blame you for all my uh, first effort. Whilst uh, listening to the various uh, contributions regarding oddities of people's fetishes, I had a light bulb moment to a practice I came across whilst at medical school. We like medical stories. Oh, God. Bodies, how, how bad is this out of 10? Bodies are fascinating in what? How bad is this out of 10? Um, it's pretty tame. It's not really visceral. It's definitely more funny than visceral. Um, oh, I trained in London, and during a placement at a North London hospital, we were being taught by one of the more senior surgical consultants. He shared a story with us about a gentleman who kept coming back uh, to the clinic with a rash and small blisters around his stoma. A stoma, oh, being, Jesus. A stoma being a loop of bowel that is brought up to the skin surface, uh, surface to redirect bowel contents externally into a bag. So basically just a hole in your gut that... Yeah. Fires out shit into a bag. Uh, after repeated visits and investigations into what the cause of this weird rash was, the gentleman shared a key piece of information that shed new light on the story. Make sure you're sitting down for this. He, <laughs> he informed the consultant that he had been engaging in the practice of dead piping. When the doctor looked at him in an inquisitive manner, the patient revealed that his partner had been having sex with the said stormer and that he had been concerned about his partner's cleanliness. Dirty. Swab later... I mean, men will fuck anything, won't they? My Make God. a new hole, they'll fuck it. My God. A swab later, it was revealed that the rash was indeed herpes and it had indeed been transmitted by sexual intercourse. You, I mean, when I say to you, how bad is this? What you should have said was absolutely horrendous. We've not heard, we've not heard the word fluid. We've not heard the word <laughs> weeping. It's just sore, just herpes. Just herpes, baby. Oh, Just God. deal with it. Who was yeah. the name of the email, though? Omar. I mean, thanks for that. Omar, Omar because... coming. Omar yeah, coming. He is. But you know, right into our brainstormers. The thing is, Pete, we 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 take for granted. We will say oh, that's a horrendous story, or whatever. Uh, I'm just medical I, I, professionals I, will see stuff all the time. Luke, all the time. Love finds a way. Men will fuck anything. Yeah, oh, stop you, saying that. They will stop saying I'm it. Just saying. Stop saying it. Oh, by the way, speaking of um, speaking of uh, callbacks. We weren't speaking of callbacks, but I just thought I'd say it. On Monday, it's Pete Stoller, fucking mate. I spoke to the Dean of Peterhouse, Cambridge, by the way, Pete, and he said there was absolutely no chance you were getting there. <laughs> they knew all about you, son. Yeah, yeah there's no Don't chance. Mind. Don't blame. He said his, his exact words were, "Don't blame your background for not being good enough to get into my college." Is it a hole in my stoma? Yeah, yeah. Or, or are you just pleased to see me? <laughs> um, thanks for that, Omar. And I do mean, uh, please never email again. No. This is from Ben. Um, I really like this email, Pete. Um, he says, uh, hi guys, listening to episode 49 and Luke's mention of his first memory being a bee sting Ooh. reminded me of one of my earliest memories, which is along the same theme. Oh. This is a proper trip down memory lane. Myself, around five at the time, I think, and my older brother were messing around in the trees next to our grandparents' garden. We stumbled across a small metal pole thing, think wrench-sized, um, so as any boys would do, we started seeing what we could smash up with it. That's another thing boys will always do, isn't Hugely. it? Hugely. Yeah. Um, we're so predictable. He said, oh, so we started hitting it, trees, bushes, and things like that. We saw a dead tree stump, which was rotting away, and so perfect oh, to try and perfect, break down. Perfect rotten hole in yeah, this tree stump. It's not going that way. <laughs> he, he was five years old. Oh. Um, he said, we started going at it, so to speak, uh, <laughs> uh, and, but a couple of minutes later, we start hearing a loud buzzing noise. 
This was immediately followed by a large group of wasps that were understandably extremely annoyed two young boys were destroying their home. I mean, a bold move, isn't it? Just smacking it up. They just absolutely went at us, chasing and stinging us while we ran and screamed back to the house. Our parents obviously came out to see what was going on, but we just bolted past them into the house shouting, bees, bees, like Nicholas Cage. Uh, we didn't take uh, the time to see if there were wasps or bees. End result was me and my brother naked in the shower together to kill the wasps that were still trying to get us, and my dad having to go through the house hunting any survivors down with the wasp spray. Contradicts Pete, uh, contradict to Pete's button memory, uh, however, I suppose it makes sense that early memories are either going to be really good or really shitty. I mean, oh. he finishes by saying, "Listen to this, Pete. Do you remember four or five years ago after a Ramble live show in London, we're going to the pub with some fans who were in attendance? That was me and my mates from work. Everything was going well, chatting footy and drinking beer until my mate Jimmy knocked his beer all down Luke. Luke <laughs> played it cool, but was clearly pretty annoyed. I Cheers, Ben. I don't remember that. Uh, I don't either. That Ben Spillage. I'm quite. A, I'm quite a gentle giant. Anyway, I'm not so much to get in trouble. <laughs> am I? Giant. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so if you, you want to if you want to go for a pint and then pour it all over me, hello at lukeandpeteshow.com. <laughs> um, it reminded me of a story that about um, a good friend of mine actually, whose um, whose dog inadvertently sniffed out a wasp's nest, yeah. and the wasp just descended on him. Oh no! And, which, and they tried to call the dog back in. It took the dog ages to come back in because it got really confused. It, the dog was fine in the end, oh, but it good. was absolutely horrific. I don't like those stories. Have you ever seen like um, dogs that have eaten like a bee? Or eating a wasp. Yeah. And their mouths go really big. Can I tell you a story which you pro- <laughs> which you, which you're not going to believe me, but several members of my family were there mm. uh, when it happened. I promise you this happened. My sister's got a cat called Boris. Mm. And Boris came in through the cat flat once. We were all sat around at my sister's house. And he, just, he just sat there. Mm. And um, we were looking at him. And then um, my sister said, Boris. And he meowed in response. As he meowed, a bee came out of his mouth. <laughs> nice. Promise you. Promise you that happened. The Trojan horse of cat-bee relations. And I've seen, um, I've seen um, uh, my, a couple of my, well, I've got two cats. Magnus has definitely had his face swollen before because he's stuck his face in something. <laughs> he had to take him to the vet because he stuck his face into a hedgehog. I told you that, didn't I? Oh, right. He okay. had spines all spine. over his face, yeah. Oh, they're, they're idiots, man. <laughs> I think all total, animals are a bit silly, aren't they? They are total idiots. They're very instinctual. But yeah, um, shall we have a, a Maya Angelou-themed, uh, definitely alive, uh, Mankata? Well, can I have one? Is, is, is this about the inventor? Yes. Oh, okay, go ahead then. Yeah, I was going to say, we've definitely got to include that. Okay, yeah. yeah. Let's do that yeah, as, let's do as Mankata. Mankata, yeah. All right, then. Let there be justice for all. Let there be peace for all. You don't understand. Willie was a salesman. Say simply, very simply, with hope. Good morning. Good morning. Great. Great to have <laughs> Maya Angelou on the podcast there. Um, many happy returns. Uh, just, you know, I, I think her voice sounds great when she says, Willie was a salesman. Yeah. That was a good bit. Very good. <laughs> it up. Uh, Daniel in Berkshire. Hello, Daniel. Hi, guys. I was tidying my childhood bedroom the other day. Why he was doing that, I don't know. <laughs> That's so weird, weird. isn't it? Yeah. Can you come home and clean up your childhood bedroom? Yeah. Uh, Mum, we've moved house three times. <laughs> <laughs> and discovered a book called The Book of Heroic Failures by Stephen Pyle. Wasn't there a Limmy sketch where he like asks basically someone to like go in his house sort of thing? And goes in his uh, in his childhood bedroom. He's like, oh, I've, I lived here quite a long time ago. 
can I come and uh, can I come and have a look at? Right, I haven't seen this. It sounds fun. And like, he either he, and he pulls up the floorboard and like he pulls up some drugs or a can of lager or some pornography. Um, what, or to something. an actual person's house. Yeah, and, That's like, and he's like, get out, get out. Uh, a couple of entries caught my eye. This is back to Daniel uh, from Berkshire's uh, show. Uh, none could be backed up with a bit of internet research until I came across someone I would like to add to Mencarta. The name Arthur Paul Pedrick. Might not mean uh, much, but he is widely known as the most unsuccessful inventor, patenting about 160 inventions. None were taken up commercially. He must be British, this guy, surely. Yeah, well, the great thing about... So it's a great classic British eccentricity is that he's yeah, the inventor. inventor right? I think James Dyson's got a bit of that about him. Well, like, well like, he was the, he's the only one, really. I, yeah. it's the, it was probably the 80s, because you'd have people like Sir Clive Sinclair, mm. uh, Alan Sugar, these men who uh, were kind of celebrities for inventing Sugar's things. not so an like, inventor, though. No, but like he was the figurehead of, you know, a, company, a, a fairly yeah, yeah. rudimentary um, a PC company sort of thing. You could invent things and, and sell it and, and have a name behind it. Uh, the list of inventions uh, of the one-man think tank basic physics research laboratories of uh, 77 Hillfield Royal Celsius in Sussex, that's how he described himself, include a, an amphibious a bicycle, right, a car that can be driven from the back seat. <laughs> When's that ever going to be useful? <laughs> When is that ever going to be useful? That's the second one on the list. I know. That's one of the better ones. <laughs> a golf ball that can be steered mid-flight. Useful. But the, but the I thing imagine, is, like, I, I imagine it's pretty obvious what you're doing. Yeah, but this is, this is like... But has he actually included the invention part of this, or are these just ideas that could be good if someone could do them? Oh, no, I think he's, in, he's actually invented them. Because one, the one of the greatest podcast moments of all time is on the Ricky Gervais show with Carl mm. Pilkington, who talks about the invention of a death watch. Right, where he says what you what will be a great what is 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 an idea if it is an invention, you put a what you, you it's a watch that tells you when you're going to die. Yeah, and Ricky Gervais says, all right, well, how does it actually work? And he says, we just put it on your wrist. So no, <laughs> you've not invented that. It's just an idea. So is this guy is this guy actually didn't invented? Char- it? Didn't Charlie Brooker? Didn't Charlie Brooker's Black Mirror sort of do a storyline like that? And everyone was like, oh my god, it's like Carl Pilkington. Right, <laughs> I haven't seen that episode, but I wouldn't be surprised. But what um. <laughs> Is, I mean, is there any detail in here? Has he actually done this, or is he just saying these would be good things to do? He's invented these things, uh, and uh, they may a be... self-driving golf ball does actually sound quite good. Yeah, how would you sort of do that? Exactly, I don't of, know. A little kind of thing that taps on the side to affect the flight. Yeah, like um, or a gyroscope. Yeah, of some kind. Yeah, uh, a pea shooter to fire constant snowballs to deserts to irrigate them. He's not built that. Let's <laughs> no make that, no that. that very clear. No way. No way. Um, he's also got a series of quartz. My f- Could I also say that? I love that because, by the way, if you go to a desert, it's not the fact that it's dry. I mean, it's not because it's dry there's no... <laughs> You're like, going to lose growth. that water immediately. Yeah, you can't just pour water in the desert and it'll grow. <laughs> it doesn't how it works. Um, he also has a series of quartz, my personal favourite of which is, it being the opinion of my ginger cat that the cats that you see sponsoring various brands of tin cat food on TV are just as hypocritical as the various actors one sees sponsoring on TV various commercial products. And in fact, my ginger cat prefers ordinary corned beef to most brands of cat food. Imagine a cat raised on corned beef. Yeah. Incredible. Is Stephen Parsley alive? Um, I don't think so. Surely not. But I'm sure we can find out if we Google him. Arthur Paul Pedrick. Arthur Paul Pedrick. Yeah. Right. I thought you said yeah, he was called Stephen Pyle. No, where did that come from? I don't know. Stephen Pyle. Oh, it's a book. It's a, a book. A book of heroic failures by Stephen Pyle. Sorry. Oh, right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Um, so yeah. Um, Great stuff. Thank um, you very much, Daniel in uh, Berkshire. Whenever anyone talks about the worst inventions, and I can't believe we haven't mentioned the, this on the show before, and in fact we may have, but if we have, it's a long time ago. Um, Franz Reichelt, the guy who invented the um, the parachute jacket. 
You know, that story's like a famous story. He was a tailor, but he was also someone who I think was interested in the early um, phenomenon phenomenon of um, of parachuting. Is he the one who jumped off the Eiffel Tower? Yeah, and and, and, and to demonstrate, there's a, there's a video of him doing it. Oh, is there really? Yeah, okay. you see him at the you see him at the deck, and everyone going, oh, so yeah, but in a really kind of like old school way, sort of going. I've lived through. I've lived through a couple of wars. So he's yeah. So he's yeah. So they, 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 they just brushed care. it off. Yeah, just brushed so, it off. So he was so confident with his idea of this parachute jacket. Well, interesting enough, Pete, you do see people, those Red Bull people doing that now off the side of mountains and stuff. So the principle is sound. That's a wingsuit. Yeah, but it's the same land. principle, isn't it? They can land. That's, they land, don't they? No, you got, got you got. You can't just land. How, how fast do you think wingsuits go? They are incredibly fast. They're incredibly dangerous. Yeah, but they 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 fly really close to mountains and they pull up and they land. Have a think about that. <laughs> I'm just That's saying. something I would say. You ha- definitely got to have a parachute at the end of it. I'm fairly certain. Solve this conundrum. <laughs> Hello at Luke and Peach. Oh, let's go wingsuiting. <laughs> wingsuiting no with There's not one big enough for Is me. That- <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I've long, really long arms. Let me finish this story about Franz Reichelt because he was so confident in his um, parachute jacket that he, ch- he he literally chucked himself off the Eiffel Tower and inevitably died. Yeah, which I think is a um, it's just quite poignant. It's, you. Yeah, well, no, it's very, it's very romantic, isn't it? Imagine sort of going, this is going to work, this isn't working. And Oh, there's uh, a boulangerie. And, Smash. And to, to link all this back together, <laughs> boulangerie, the scene is so typically French. Oh, and he landed on a massive baguette, so he survived. <laughs> he didn't, he died. No. Um, but taking this back full circle, because we were talking about VR and, and, um, and video games at the start of this, remember that period of time in sort of the mid-90s where video game manufacturers went mental for VR, the first time around? Yeah. And Nintendo did the Virtual Boy in the mid '90s, yeah, which was the most sort of um, you know, clunky, huge. It was a, it was a Game Boy, but they used um, you know, yeah, they, like they, goggles, didn't it? It was got it was goggles and like a chin rest and stuff like that. I've used one a few times actually. My mate's got one, and I used one in Japan as well. It's it's it, was the net result crippling headache. They're still not as collectible as you think. No, no, it was like one of those Tommy, you know, those the Tommy um kind of lucky, lucky, lucky games where you used to look in I used to and like they'd those. be like that. They'd sort of be lit up. It was just um a normal Super Mario game with maybe a little bit of background, like a kind of double kind of effect in the background. But it was uh, yeah, it was it, the the effect wasn't obscene, but it so you wouldn't call it great. the worst invention ever. No, no, it was fine. All right, good. it was fine. Good. All right. Well, I think that's just about it from us, Peter. All week. right, then. Let's get out of here. Thank you for joining us once again. Hello at LukeandPeteShow.com to get in touch. We love hearing from you. All your emails, keep them coming in. Yep. And we'll be back next week with talk of our trip to Naples. Check out our um, Twitter account and our Instagram for that. Luke and Pete Show. At Luke and Pete Show, of course. Mm-hmm. We'll try and do a bit of stuff while we're out there as well. Um, and we'll look forward to it. We'll see you next week. See you later, guys. Have a good weekend. Because it's a Thursday. And I got that right that time. So thank you. I got this for free. (laughs) Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.